Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. It is great to welcome you to Bridgewater Church Online. And I'm Pastor Drew, and I want to tell you how grateful that we are that you're joining us, whether it's Sunday morning on the launch of this message for the week, or maybe you're catching it through, throughout the week, and we're just so happy that you're with us. And I wanted to start by asking you this question. Think of a godly woman who has had an influence on your life. Can you do that? Can you think of a godly woman that cared for you and loved you into the person that you are today? I was thinking about my mom. My mom was such an encourager for me. And something that is unique to my teenage years is that before I was the age of 21, I had been in five major car wrecks. I would hope you'd believe me when I told you that none of them were my fault, and they weren't. But my mom looked at me one day and she goes, you know, honey, it takes a lot of prayer to keep you safe. My mom planted the seeds for me to become a world changer. She laid a beautiful foundation in my life that I've been building on for decades now. When I think about the story of Esther as a world changer, the thoughts that run through my mind are, how did a young woman who was raised as an orphan by her adoptive father Mordecai, how did she truly become prepared to be a world changer? I know that God helped lay an incredible foundation in her life. But what really brings this to life for me is to realize that every great story must have a villain in it. Now think about it. Any good movie, any great story that you and I have ever read in a book, there is an antagonist, someone who is a nemesis to the hero of the story. For Esther is a world changer. Her life wouldn't be easy, even though a foundation of love and prayer and grace had been laid in her life, she would be tested in her resolve by her nemesis named Haman. Now today, we are going to cover this incredible story and we're going to begin to understand the the role of Haman in the plot that he had hoped would annihilate all of the Jewish people in the entire Persian kingdom. But What all of the details really come down to is this theme. Regardless of the actions of others, 
we must recognize that all lies are rooted in pride. Pastor John Stott once said this, and I, I am in total agreement. He wrote, pride is more than the first of the seven deadly sins. It is itself the essence of all sin. I can't give too many guarantees, but I can give this one. Every person struggles with the sin of pride, whether we want to admit it or not. Now think about that. I'm not trying to be difficult this morning, and I'm really not trying to overwhelm any of us, but the truth is that all of us struggle with some area of pride. And our greatest need is to recognize the roots of the pride before we justify our actions that are, are based on this pridefulness that we can have. We've got to recognize them before it becomes a tidal wave of destruction. And I want to really clarify this. We all can have pride in a job well done. We can all have pride in the accomplishments of our children. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're going to focus on this morning is the kind of pride that is rooted in lies and self-deception. And that's really where we find Esther is as this story continues to grow and as we get a clearer vision of what's taking place. And there are actually three lies that are rooted in pride that we're going to discover today in the story of Esther. And these are three lies rooted in pride that we still can struggle with today. So let's jump in. In Esther chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we pick up our story. After these events, King Xerxes honored, honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a, a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated. For he had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Okay. Think about this statement that we're going to make together. In fact, you can read it with me if you'd like. Pride is rooted in the sinful lie, I'm better than you. 
This is the first lie rooted in pride that comes out of our story. And we need a backstory to understand what's taking place. Haman, the antagonist, the villain, has a genealogical history that actually dates all the way back to a story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 of the Old Testament. Haman was an Agagite. The story of his defeated ancestors actually is a tale of God saying to King Saul, the first king of the Hebrews, and he commissioned him saying, you're going to take over all of the peoples. This was a way to ensure that the promised land was literally a place of peace for God's people, the Jews. But Samuel decided not to kill King Agagog when he was captured. When Samuel the priest and prophet found out that Samuel, uh, or when he found out that Saul had not complied, he's the one that killed the king, creating this historical grudge match that literally carries over all the way into the story of Esther. Now, think about this. We just read it in Scripture. Haman has been elevated by King Xerxes to the highest level, to the highest level of all the nobles. And the king has, has said, you need to pay respect to Haman and bow to him. Mordecai, Esther's adoptive father, would not do it. And, and we need to ask the question, why? Why would he not comply? Two reasons come to mind. One, as we have been told, he's made it clear he's Jewish. There is a principle here that cannot be neglected. He's a Jewish man, and paying homage by kneeling to Haman would, would actually go against his faith in God. But there's another reason. Also, to, to uh, Mordecai, this would have been idolatry, to kneel before him. I think about Daniel. Some hundred years before all of this, when Daniel was in the kingdom of the Babylonians, which was conquered by the Persians. But before all of that took place, Daniel would not kneel to the king as well. In fact, there were people that wanted to have Daniel killed because he would not follow the royal edict of Darius. It went something like this. The edict was that anyone who prays to any god or human being dur during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. Now that's from Daniel chapter 6. And Daniel did not comply. It actually broke the king's heart, Darius, 
But he had to follow the royal decree and had Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Now, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. Go read that, pick up on it. But do you see the pattern here among these ancient people? Whether it's the Babylonians or the Persians, there were people that had a subplot. They didn't want to honor the king. This was a way for pride rooted in bitterness to come alive. And that's exactly what we see with Haman. Mordecai wouldn't kneel to Haman because it was a form of idolatry. He was a man of principle. He was a committed Jew. He wasn't afraid to tell them about his faith in God. But when Haman realized it, he was enraged. But don't miss this small detail. Mordecai had a seat at the gate. We don't know if this is because he was considered a, an elder of the people, an elder of the Jewish people. We don't know. Or perhaps Queen Esther had granted him a seat at the royal gate so that she could be able to speak with him or send messages to him more often. What really matters here is this. Mordecai was a man of, of principle. He was a man of love for God and for his queen. But he understood that Haman had an ulterior motive. He knew that Haman had a, had a, a grudge that was held over, like the Hatfields and McCoys. And because of that, he was enraged. He was bitter when all of this came out. Why? Because pride is rooted in the sinful lie, I'm better than you. I can remember a time I was watching my children, and I was at the pool, and I heard two women getting into it. A little bit and one one child acted like a child and was not being very nice and when another mother confronted this the woman said oh my child's different than everyone else she is a little angel pride I can remember the time I moved to this area as a pastor and in the first year, I went to lunch with a friend who was also a pastor. And he looked at me and he said, Drew, how does it feel to really move up into the big leagues now that you're pastoring in the Cincinnati area? I thought, wow, pride, arrogance. I can remember a time a friend of mine, a person of color, looked at me and said, Drew, you could never understand my upbringing because we're not of the same background because you're white wow pride comes out in all of us doesn't it but but have you ever thought it, it it's almost like a sleeping giant in us we don't see it till it, it, it raises its ugly head. And then 
it, it, it almost surprises us that we would even be prideful. And can you think, how about this? Think about this. Are we more like Hammond than we want to actually admit? A few years ago, Kay and I had the wonderful opportunity to visit the Anne Frank House in Amsterdam. And I, sh I, I hope you know her story. A little girl, Jewish, with her family that hid in an attic to escape the arrest of the Nazis. As Kay and I were touring her house and the attic space up above, all the worlds collided for me. Her story as a young Jewish girl who would ultimately die in a concentration camp. The racism of the Nazis who, who actually convinced an entire country of people that they were better than the Jews. And then you know what happened to me? I looked out a side window from the attic and I saw the steeple of a Protestant church that had been there for decades. And then all the worlds collided for me. And I thought of this very story of Esther and Haman. Haman, Haman wasn't just mad that Mordecai would not bow down. He was, he was upset to find out that Mordecai was a Jew. And this just brought back this rage that he had had for decades against the Jewish people. He not only wanted Mordecai to die, he began to plot and scheme that all the Jewish people would be killed in the Persian kingdom. Please hear me when I say this. Pride that is rooted in the sinful lie, I'm better than you, forgets we are all different. We don't always agree. But none of us are better than another person. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. And, and especially when we're not on the same page, we can never think less of someone because we don't agree. Because pride wants us to believe that we have the one up, that we're better than someone. But it's not true. Never Allow yourself to think that in some way, because of your job, your skills, the color of your skin, your, your sexual orientation, that we are better than anyone else. We don't agree. We're not on the same page all the time. But we've got to be careful with this pride rooted in the lie, I'm better than you. Let's look at Esther chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. The story goes on that in the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the pure, that is the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day in a month. And the lot fell on a, uh, a or the twelfth month of Adar. I know that's a little uh, wordy there, but just hang in, I'll explain that in a moment. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed 
among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all the other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. Here's our next pride rooted Lie rooted in pride. Pride is rooted in the sinful lie, I don't need the whole truth. Pride is rooted in the sinful lie, I don't need the whole truth. Now this is interesting. Let's, let's go back to the story. Let's understand what's going on. Lots were cast. That was very common in that day, to cast a lot. It was a way of trying to discern what should happen, what should take place in, in the life of a people or the, uh, in a specific situation. So Haman with other people cast this die, cast this lot, and it fell on the month of Adar. And that's, that for us would be a span somewhere January to February. Now, he knew what month he wanted to determine when the Jewish people would be killed. But he needed support for the plan. So he went to the king. And he, he began talking to the king. Now, I, I want you to really uh, think about this. First, he, he explains with a half-truth. By the way, can I just stop here? A half-truth also is a half-lie. It has just enough of the truth without telling the whole story. And, and I love you enough to say, this is something we all get caught up in with people. We all get caught up in stories where only half the truth is being told and we, we bite onto it like a fish on a hook. Instead of stopping to ask, well, what are all the details that we need to know in order to understand what, what we're being told? What's really taking place? Pride says, half lies disguised as half-truths are acceptable. Haman, Haman tells the king, there are a certain people throughout the empire that are unwilling to follow the edicts of the king because of their customs. And they need to be annihilated. You cannot tolerate them in your reign. Now, let, let's grab a few things here. Let's just look behind the, the, the mask. Let's, let's just pull the curtain back. First of all, does he mention the Jews? He doesn't tell the king who uh, he's talking about. Here's something else. If there's 127 provinces that go all the way from the Middle East to Egypt and Ethiopia, if, 
if the Persian kingdom has conquered this many different culture groups, there's all kind of customs from all kind of people. They're not all the same. We can understand that. We can relate to that. Man, when I look around, uh, I'm blessed to pastor all of you in-house and online. And, and guess what? Our backgrounds are different. We don't all have the same customs. Think about Christmas. Do we all do the same things at Christmas time, on Christmas Eve, New Year's Day? Uh, I, I, I learned that growing up with parents from Alabama, uh, New Year's Day we, we ate black-eyed peas. That was our custom. But when I went to Pennsylvania, the custom there was to eat uh, pork and sauerkraut. And, and you know what? I adapted to all those customs, and you know why? I just love to eat. I just enjoy food. So I was all in. Kay still makes uh, pork and sauerkraut for us on New Year's Day. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But are you getting the point? Are you hanging in there? I'm trying to stay very close to the story so that we all track together on this one because it's so important. Haman has gone to the king, King Xerxes, and he says, if we're going to support this plan, I need your help, king. And he tells half-truth. There is a people that don't support all of our national customs and decrees because of their own, their own heritage. Xerxes never even asked who these people are. And, and, and Hammond's not going to tell him. And there's thousands upon thousands of people in the kingdom that have different customs and beliefs. But did you notice something else about the passage of Scripture that I read? This edict, this decree is going to impact Mordecai and Esther specifically. Where are their names? Why doesn't Haman look at King Xerxes and say, Hey, king, you told everybody to bow down to me, and Mordecai's not willing to do it because he's Jewish. Have you ever noticed how people don't tell everything they know when, they, when at times they're trying to get something they want? Has that ever happened? Kay and I used to have a, a, a set rule in the house when we raised our kids. We made it clear to our children, don't tell mom one thing and ask dad another. Or don't come to dad and then go to mom with a different plan. You know why? Because it's pride. It's pride rooted in a lie we call a half-truth. I actually, when my kids were growing up, caught them a couple of times, and I would say, have you talked to mom about this? Well, you know, and then here it comes. We don't want to tell everything we know because of our pride, and we want to get what we want to get. We want to be what we want to be. <laughs> That's Hammond. And have you put two and two together yet? Man, there's a lot going on in Esther's story. Have you put this together? She did not tell the king that she was Jewish. Her adoptive father, Mordecai, had told her not to. Why? As a survival moment for her. And it's five years now that Esther has been queen. 
Five years have elapsed if you're doing the math. The king still doesn't know her background is Jewish. But if Mordecai told people he was Jewish and Haman found out, it's not going to be long before he realizes Esther's Jewish too. And if this edict, if this decree is put into place, not only do all the Jews die, but remember, all the way back to the Babylonian kingdom, a king's decree cannot be changed. So not only are the Jews going to die, but Esther will perish as well. Here's our second insight. Pride is rooted in the sinful lie. I don't need to tell the whole truth. Just a few days ago, I was in a Fairfield Township meeting. We were talking about the land that the church is wanting to sell. I had to get up to say a few things on behalf of the church, and the solicitor or attorney for the township asked me to raise my right hand. She stood, I was standing at the podium, she said, will you raise your right hand and repeat after me? I promised to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I repeated it. And then guys, I just couldn't help it. I, I, when I got up to the podium, I, the, the room was full and I thought, well, people know I'm the pastor of Bridgewater Church and I couldn't help myself. I said, you know, I don't have any problem with that uh, swearing to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And everybody chuckled. They laughed. But man, that's a heavy statement. That's heavy. Am I the kind of Jesus believer? Am I a follower of God? That I'm going to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? No matter what happens? It's going to expose my heart and mine? Have I tried to get away with something? Did I... Did I try to uh, only tell the parts of the truth that were the easiest? And by the way, don't don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Uh, Hammond followed a lie with a bribe to sweeten the deal because up until this point, wait, wait a minute, let's just take a pause, okay? Up till this point, Xerxes wasn't listening. He, he, we'll get there in a minute, but he's, he's just doing his, his king routine. And Haman, as a distraction, follows up the lie with a bribe. He says, hey, out of my own monies, I'll give 10,000 talents. Some scholars have said that's literally 375 tons of silver. Whoa, that's a lot of dough, man. I don't know how Hammond got all that money, but if he's this ruthless about the Jews, I have a feeling that his pride has created quite the ruthless businessman as well. 
And he says to the king, hey, uh, if you'll give me what I'm asking for, and basically he was saying, if you'll just give me what I'm asking for and not ask any questions, I'll, I'll give you this money. The king is so taken back by everything that he just blows it off. He even says, I don't need the money. But what we really discover is this. The king thought the whole truth was needless. When we bought our Victorian home in Pennsylvania, man, it was, it was pretty much a wreck. Can I say that? It wasn't. It needed a big overhaul. And it didn't have central air. So the owner of the house said, I will sell you one of my air conditioning units, window units. And I, I said to Kay, we can use that. But he wanted $200 for it. That was a lot of money for a unit, especially uh, 20 years ago. But I had agreed to pay that. And we closed on the house and I forgot to pay the money. I really did. And everything I did, never crossed my mind. Well, one day I was praying. And it came back to mind that I owed this money. And I decided, now that I was into the house, and I was into the revamp, there were things that I had asked about that I was not told the whole truth and nothing but the truth about the house. Have you ever been there? So I decided I wasn't going to pay for the air conditioner. And I was talking to a really good friend of mine who was an elder at the church. And I was telling him the story. And then I said, what do you think? Do you think I ought to pay it? Now listen, please hear me. I didn't ask the question because I wanted the answer. I asked the question because I wanted support for my pride. I hadn't, I hadn't been told the whole truth. It was dishonest. I didn't want to have to talk to the guy about his dishonesty. I didn't want to hold him accountable, the former owner. He had moved, I had already bought the house, and I had all kind of expenses, and I wasn't going to pay the $200. And I really wanted my friend to shore up my pride. I'll never forget what Kyle said to me. He said, you already know the answer. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate it when somebody looks at you and they know that you love Jesus? And, and you really do want to do the right thing? There are just some days, there's just some days when pride is rooted in the sinful eye. I don't need to tell the whole truth. Kyle looks at me and he goes, I'll check in to make sure you wrote him the check and send it to him. Oh. Not only am I devastated now i got some accountability by the way those are the people that really love you by the way those are the people that really care about you and you know what i did i didn't blow up i didn't get upset you know what i said to kyle you're right but you know what kyle was thinking we're not just friends i'm his pastor i'm a christian Hey guys, whether we want to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God, whether we want to do it or not, it's required. No matter how it makes us look, no matter the struggles we're having, yeah, it's hard on the front side, 
But we've all got to do the right thing so that on the backside we can receive God's blessing. It's time to ask if we care about the whole truth, especially when it comes to our own actions. Are we going to let people believe half-truths, which are really lies? Are we going to lean in and be honest about our situation? Not only will we feel better about it in the long run, but it keeps us honest. It keeps us accountable to each other and to God. And it's a blessing to God. In fact, keep that in your minds. Keep that in your minds. Because in a few weeks, not long, we're going to see how important the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth really is. Let's get to this third uh, lie that we need to tackle. Esther 3, 12 through 15. Then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out in the script of each province and in the language of each people all Haman's orders to the king's satraps, the governors of the various provinces, and the nobles of the various people. They were written in the name of King Xerxes himself and sealed with his own ring. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews. Young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that they would be ready for that day. The couriers went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. Here's our third and last lie rooted in pride. Pride is rooted in the sinful lie, I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible. The the ending is sad at this point. Here it is, on the 13th day. The edict went out throughout all of the Persian Empire that all at once on one day, every Jew that you know will be annihilated. Men, women, and children. I really want to zero in on something, though, about Haman and the king. When the edicts went out everywhere, we're told that the people of Susa were bewildered. It literally means confused and agitated. These aren't just Jewish people, it's it's their neighbors, it's everyone else. But what was the king and Haman doing? Sitting down to have a drink. Haman was thinking, I got what I wanted. And the king was thinking, It's really out of my hands. I have a question for all of us this morning. Do we really believe that sinful decisions and statements made in pride don't carry the weight of responsibility? Do you and I actually believe We can say what we want, do what we want, 
and sit down to have a meal and say, it's done. Maybe like Pilate, I'm just going to wash my hands of the conviction of Jesus, sentenced to death. I, wanna, I want you to grab this. It's, it's not difficult, but here's, here's where it all falls. We are responsible on the front side to step up and be responsible for our statements, our actions, and, and hang on to this, this is true for me, and the impact of those decisions. I haven't always gotten that right. Have you? I haven't always made it right. But I know this, I've learned through time it is better to own our own. Can I use a phrase? It's just a Drew phrase. I'd rather own my own junk than have to have somebody else point out my pride because it was rooted in a lie. And you know what most lies we tell about? We tell about ourselves. In the end, any lie that we tell is really a reflection of who we are. This morning, I really know that this is not an easy message. It's not an easy message for me. It's more like taking inventory. Where are the things that we need to really pull out the truth? Where do we need to get honest? Because you know what? If you and I get honest, not only do we have to make the decision today to be people that tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but we also have to be willing to ask for forgiveness, seek grace, and own our junk. If there's something that's going on because we haven't told the whole truth, we're the ones that have to go back right now and talk to our friends. We've got to go back and correct it. But then, that has to be the catalyst to correct our own behavior. So here's how I'd like to close this morning, because God loves all of us so much. Anybody excited about this? He's the God of second chances and thirds and fourth chances. Here's what I would love for you to do. Will you bow your heads? Think of an area that you're struggling with and simply ask the question, is my pride getting in the way? Just right now. Has God brought an area of your life to mind has he brought something to my mind? And are we ready to say, I'm not going to let pride be the catalyst. I'm going to let love and grace lead the way. And right now, with that in mind, I want to pray for us. Father God, there isn't one of us at all who doesn't struggle with pride. And, and we're tempted all the time to tell only part of the truth instead of the whole truth. God, when we're in those situations, bring people into our lives that will love us enough to hold us accountable. And then when the door is open, help all of us to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth because... It's not just our life that matters, but it's the lives of others that are hanging in the balance too. 
Father God, give us grace and forgiveness. And as we come to you this week, help us, Lord Jesus, to be willing to tell the truth. Help kill our pride so that you're pleased. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you so much. Isn't the story of Esther exciting? We're getting deeper into it. More's happening. God really isn't silent. He's working behind the scenes. Hang with us as we continue to move ahead. And remember, you're not alone. We love you. Take heart and be transformed. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world through Jesus Christ. Thank you.